Have you ever had an aha moment? An aha moment is uh, maybe an inspiration, an idea. Uh, it, it's uh, e even more than that at times. It's where what seems like an unsolvable problem, suddenly you can see the solution. I, I, I love uh, lists of aha moments. Oh, this is going to be a trick today. It looks like my slides are just in five seconds forward mode. Um, some of you would know that we enjoy aquariums. Uh, Jean Villepreux Power, sorry for my pronunciation, Abby, was uh, studying the sea creature, the Nautilus, and she had an aha moment and invented the aquarium, the concept of an aquarium. Momofuku Andu saw people lined up in the cold for soup, and he invented the instant noodle. Anyone have uh, top ramen or something like that get you through college? That's Momofuku Andu who invented the instant noodle. One of my favorite uh, YouTube deep dives is uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp, the godmother, god, godmother of rock and roll. She was a, a Christian, a gospel artist, and she is the first one to really have a melody-driven blues infused. She led with an electric guitar. She invented rock and roll. Everyone else that's credited with it really drew from her. If you do some research, you'll find that out. Maybe less inspiring, Donald Fisher couldn't find jeans at a store that would fit him, and he had an aha moment and started the gap. Tabitha Babbitt changed the world. She saw people struggling to cut wood, and she invented the circular saw. Ingvar Kampard was trying to fit a table into his car, and he couldn't without taking the legs off. He had an aha moment trying to fit that table in his car and invented Ikea. Alice Parker. Uh, Alice Parker, um, let me get this right. She invented natural gas-fueled heating furnaces and helped birth the thermostat and modern forced air furnaces that we have in our houses today. You like heat? You thankful for her? Maybe, maybe not today. Samuel Morris has a, a sadder story. You may know him from the Morse code and being the inventor and innovator of the, the telegraph. And it was really a desire for instant communication. And it was because he got a letter from his wife that she was gravely ill. But unfortunately, he didn't receive it until she had passed. Dr. Shirley Jackson, there's nobody in this room who doesn't benefit from one of her many, many aha moments, a life of aha moments, modern telecommunication, the telephone, fiber optic cable. None of those things exist without her. Jan Kuhn, couldn't afford to call his dad in the Ukraine, and he invented WhatsApp. He had an aha moment. We're here to help each other take next steps in following Jesus, and, and as such, I want to look at, oh, this is going to be fun, an aha moment that Paul had that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. He says, you read it in the original language, it really comes off like an aha moment, like a, 
a sudden appearance of a solution to an unsolvable problem that wasn't otherwise known to them. We stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Well, let's have a little context to this verse, this aha moment. First of all, a miracle that had been predicted, God sent Jesus to earth to live a pretty normal human life for most of his life. Tempted in every way that we have been and yet without sin. He was pure. He was personally betrayed. He was falsely accused despite having done healing miracles, feeding people who need food, and teaching. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They're going to put me to death, and on the third day I will rise again. And it happened. And the world literally changed. It happened. And the world literally changed. This map shows much of what was the civilized world at the time. Jesus brought a message that if you would confess your sins, that God would forgive you. Jesus took on himself our sins, made a way for us to be forgiven, to be given a new spiritual heart, new spiritual life, and have the hope of eternity in heaven. Paul had been someone who had been religious in the bad way, breathing murder of people who followed Jesus. But Jesus met him and changed his life. Gave him a fresh sense of identity and value and purpose and he began to spread the news of Jesus. The message of Jesus. And in this letter to the, the Christians that are in the city of Corinth, which you see on the map, he refers to what happened in Asia, which you see on the map, which includes what we would now today call Turkey, in the city of Ephesus, a central area for 230 towns and villages in that part of Asia. That's what Paul's referring to in this letter, this aha moment that they had. And what had happened there is a pretty dramatic story, more, more than we could even get into here now in this moment. But there were religious people who saw this as a threat Jewish people who sought to kill Paul and the other Jesus followers. And then worshipers of the goddess Diana and Artemis, this temple who was, that was one of the wonders of the ancient world around which they had developed a whole economy. They saw this following of Jesus as a threat despite the fact that they hadn't desecrated the, the temple of Diana or Artemis and they rioted. Thousands of people gathered, the followers of Jesus and Paul were swept up in the crowd. It was beyond their ability to control it. Screaming and shouting and 
a revolt, a riot against the followers of Jesus. And they tried to speak and they were shouted down in the crowd of voices. The mayor finally stood. You could still see the foundations and the seats of this theater where he stood, the seats 25,000. You can still see it to this day. The mayor stood. He quieted the crowd and said, listen, no violence has been done by these Jesus followers. We better calm down or the Roman military is going to come in and put a, a stop to this in a violent way. It wasn't Paul, the Jesus followers, that stopped it. These circumstances that I just talked about are what Paul is referring to. But let's get a little bit more context with what he says that happened. God comforts all. God offers comfort to all. All praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that you, as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. He did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Paul is literally talking about an aha moment of being in a situation. And let's not get it twisted. God allowed something bad to happen. I mean, they, they would have to have thought it that, about it that way, right? God allowed something bad to happen, something that was beyond their control. And despite the fact that there were miracles that happened, and, and go and read in the book of Acts the stories, miracles happened that were just wild. In fact, you could even say that didn't happen anywhere else. So God was clearly in it and doing miraculous things and yet God allowed something bad to happen that was beyond their control that they didn't think was supposed to happen. But Paul says we had an aha moment. Now I know that when I use the phrase something bad happened, it might trigger for you a wide variety of experiences things going on in your life, things that have gone on in the past, maybe things you're worried about happening. 
And not everything I'm going to say today is going to apply to everything that might come to your mind. But I do think there's a truth here, an absolute truth, a principle of truth that can help us today with whatever it is that we have experienced, that we are going through. Who's ready for a little bit of that? It's interesting that Paul doesn't start with, hey, we had, we had a bad experience. Maybe one of my favorite lines of the more modern Italian job movie. I had a bad experience. <laughs> Talking about his fear of dogs. Paul doesn't start off with the bad experience. He doesn't describe it or exaggerate it. He doesn't make it his focus. I think it's interesting he starts off with the comfort of God. And that God had purpose. That actually the bad experience they had gave them a better ability to comfort others. Some of you know that three and a half weeks ago I got my first ever positive COVID test. I had a bad experience. Was beyond my control, my, my three injections, my various attempts. And sometimes God allows a bad experience, the things that are beyond your control. Sometimes rest is a really good time to be reminded we're not in control. Who we are is more important than what we do. Sometimes we need a moment where our ability to do has been taken away. To be reminded that God loves us. God cares about us. God cares about who we are. I got news for you. The reality is that the people in your life, they get who you are more than what you say. The early followers of Jesus, they, they understood this. They pointed out, listen, Paul starts with comfort. That's the focus. They, they, they also noted, listen, Paul said we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we wouldn't, we thought we were going to die. But we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God. Now, clearly, if you read the story of the rest of Paul's life, he didn't stop doing his best. But what you do see is multiple times where he stops long enough. He stops long enough to seek the guidance of God. And he notes at different times where, hey, God told us to not do this or to not do that. I really enjoy Eugene Peterson's version of this. Check this out. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. <laughs> As it turned out, it was the bad thing. It was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, read the story, that's what happened. We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And what is Paul doing? He's pointing to, hey, listen, this isn't about me. This isn't about us. Th Jesus. Remember Jesus? Our faith starts and stops with the reality that Jesus was raised from the dead. 
And if God can raise the dead, God can do anything. So it's kind of silly for me to do things out of my own strength, to rely on myself only. It only really makes sense for me to rely on God completely. (laughs) Paul had an aha moment. Does this maybe remind you of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Trust is a fantasy when we don't deconstruct the problem. Trust is a fantasy when we don't deconstruct the problem, when we don't have a very clear idea in the conversation between us and God, what is the thing that's unsolvable? What is the thing that is overwhelming? When, and this is where I think we can make a mistake, I humbly submit to you. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we stop thinking. And stop, a stop to your thinking is not a friend to your spirit. If your spirit is going to govern your flesh, and I use different words because some of us come from different backgrounds. Some of us come from a Christianity background. Some of us don't. If my spirit is going to govern my flesh, then my whole person needs to deconstruct the problem in order to bring it before God. And that's what Reinhold Niebuhr has done in the serenity prayer when he asks God for life-changing peace that brings strength. The serenity prayer is a request for life-changing peace that brings strength, and in it is also a pattern for deconstructing the problem. Check this out. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Paul, in Ephesus had to deconstruct what was the difference between what he could do and what he no longer could do. When you read the story, when you take it into account, he had to do that. He had to deconstruct the difference between what he couldn't change and what he could change. And it's asked, God, will you give me life-changing peace? And listen, it's so important if we're going to grow in faith and learn from this aha moment from Paul that we don't just get afraid of the challenge. We walk it out with the help of the Holy Spirit and other Christian friends and we deconstruct what the problem is. Am I making any sense? That's what we're talking about. I need to take apart what is the thing that feels so challenging? What is happening with it? Where is the limitation? Is there some way in which I think there's a limitation that's not a limitation? Is there something about this that God didn't do? See, God didn't send to me a spirit of infirmity. God didn't send to me COVID. God didn't send to me if it's 
unemployment, if it's an inability to read, if it's whatever the challenge is, God didn't send that thing to me. God may have allowed it to happen, but he didn't send that thing to me. What God did send to me, what do we get right? Paul writes to to Timothy, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God gave me an ability to control my mind and a spiritual strength beyond what comes naturally to me. So we break it down. What did God do? What did God not do? What is the problem? What is the challenge? And and generally speaking, they have layers. We need to deconstruct them. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Trust in God includes deconstructing the problem, thinking, and making a decision to rely on God completely. That's what that trust word means. I'm going to rely on God completely. And clearly the Jesus followers, they believed it because, check this out later on in the letter, We now have this light talking about the powerful message of Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I want to talk about this a little bit deeper. See, there's a couple different aspects if you follow their journey of what happened. One aspect is that there was suffering and that they were victorious because they learned that there would be victory ultimately when Jesus returns no matter what happens in our lifetime here on earth. Can I get an amen? There's victory in Jesus. And so one of the things, if you follow, if you read the New Testament, which we did together last year, right? When I read the New Testament, one of the aspects of what they did was it was they suffered with a faith in the victorious Jesus. And that is one part of this lesson from Paul. A depth in an understanding of suffering. But another thing, aspect of this, was that when they faced challenges like this, unbelievable stuff happened. And we talked about that in May. The God of miracles showed up. In Asia, Paul would pray over handkerchiefs and they'd mail them out and people got healed. Beyond the ability of medicine. There were people that were other people that were dead that came back to life. So not only was there suffering, but there also were miracles. So both of those things happened. And, And unfortunately... In the modern American church, most seminaries and groups of churches emphasize one or the other of those two things, suffering or victory. And they emphasize them to the point of excess and error. And I'm thankful that in my spiritual roots, in our network of churches and in our home church, that we hold both of those truths in tension because I think that's what God called us to do. They saw this treasure in jars of clay. They saw their human limitations, and certainly Paul 
with a thorn in his flesh. Or you may be reminded of the psalm that when my heart and my flesh fail, God is the strength of my heart. It's the truth. I love this. And and here's what I want to reference. Sometimes something bad has happened in our life and we don't process it. We don't really go deep and honest in our communication with God like the psalmist does in expressing anger or disappointment or discouragement or being honest about seasons of life when we weren't talking to God or we're confessing our mistakes in it. We don't learn from it the way the psalmist does. Our worship songs, if they are psalmic in nature, can include thoughts that are broken. Because that's how the psalmist processes. Sometimes what happens is we get disappointed, we get hurt, we get angry, we get discouraged. Or is it just me? That's being human. Something doesn't go the way we wanted it to. We get hurt, we get angry, we get disappointed with God. When we don't process that with God, we get stuck in our relationship with God and we stop talking to God and we stop listening to God. When we stop talking to God and when we stop listening to God, spiritual death starts to creep in. Your dialogue with God is the air hose of your oxygen supply for your spirit. In the last two years, whether it was COVID or partisanship or the way Christians talked about January 6th, whatever it has been, some massive disappointment in your life, some way in which you can only see that God failed you, we can get stuck. And we don't even want to talk about it to anybody. Let me tell you today that one of the answers is choosing to get real, get honest, and experience the love of Jesus. Watch this verse. This is something that I have prayed for you over this past month. I pray... That from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then, Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's my prayer for you. As we start to wrap up this message, 
Let me just remind you of some things in this passage. I hope that you will read this week, 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11, of things that are in the story. God brings comfort. God guides. God protects. Paul wasn't killed in Asia. Praying for each other matters. The last two verses make it evident that this is an essential part of it. We need to be praying for each other. Praying for each other matters. Gratitude is an essential part of their story. And Paul and the people, his team that he was talking about here, they got identity, value, and purpose from God as they were sharing the good news of Jesus. There is an enemy of your soul who wants you to be stuck and angry and discouraged and in pain so that the love of Jesus will not shine through you. God's promise to Abraham that include the promise of Jesus was blessed to be a blessing. Every morning, if you're a Jesus follower, you can start by thanking God for your salvation. And your salvation, no matter what happens in your day, is a blessing to you so that it can go through you. If we want to experience the spiritual strength we read about, we need to get our identity, value, and purpose in sharing the good news of Jesus. So what do we do? What should we do about this? Well, number one, test your slides and make sure they don't have the automatic five-second forward. Ask yourself today, is this relevant to you? Maybe it's not. Maybe you haven't had this kind of experience yet in life. Someday you will. But we do need to really ask ourselves, is this relevant to me? Number two, have a personal conversation with God about it. We're not going to get unstuck if we don't have a personal conversation with God about it. See, I've started to look at prayer first and foremost as relationship time with God. See, my wife and I, we have a a time in the week when we get together only to talk about church. We have a time in the week when we get together only to talk about the kids. We are young adults that live in our home, sometimes. (laughs) One in college. We have a time in the week where we talk about the bills. We have a time in the week where we talk about life and is that thing with the house going to get taken care of. But a date for us, 25 years of marriage, we still date. Nobody else is going to date my wife. (laughs) A date is relationship time. You feel me? It's relationship time. We have a language that God gave us that's not a language for anyone else. I have a language with Rebecca that's not for anybody else. It's a lifelong promise I made to have that that relationship time with her. No one else is your God. No one else can have your relationship time with God for you. You were designed for relationship time with God. Have a personal conversation with God about it. 
Number three, make a decision. Choose to rely on God completely. It's a choice. It is a choice. And what I love about God, which there's so much in Scripture about this, I'll just point out, God doesn't ask for blind faith. No, the Bible actually exists in part so that you can read centuries worth, if you count them, of millions of people and the experiences they had with God and the things God did to prove who He is, the things God said and did to prove what He likes, what He cares about, what makes Him angry, what makes Him happy, so that we can know who the heck He is. It's not blind faith God asks for. It's a mistake for us to think it's blind faith. But we do need to make a choice to rely on God completely, first and foremost. It doesn't negate doing things the best we can, being who we should be, but it is a choice to choose to rely on God completely. Number four, choose to receive the love of Jesus. Maybe in this message today, you've realized that you're not a Jesus follower. You're not born again. You haven't received that new spiritual heart, that new life, that forgiveness of your mistakes, of your sins. Now that's an amazing moment in your life to come to faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But every day, you should be having relationship time with God where you experience the love of Jesus. Jesus loves you. And if you don't understand that, it doesn't resonate with you, read the stories. Open up Matthew today. Open up Mark. And read about how Jesus has loved you. Choose to receive the love of Jesus. And last, this is going to be impossible if you don't share the journey with someone else. You've got to have relationships that are deep enough, strong enough, real enough that you can talk honestly about what you're going through. I thank God that I have relationships like that. But I've got to be honest with you, none of them exist without me investing in them. I have to invest into the relationship and I have to make a choice. Will I be brave enough to get real? To be honest in that relationship. And relationships that are beneficial, that are life-giving, that are encouraging, are ones where we talk about this stuff. Don't just talk about the problems, but talk about this stuff. Everything you've heard in this message. I hope we can learn today from Paul's aha moment. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Let's close in prayer. Thank you. God, that you are who you said you are. You are who people have found you to be. Thank you that you are alive today, aware of what's going on, able to do what we cannot, active and already at work. Lord, like the followers of Jesus, we say we believe and help us in our unbelief as we face challenges that are beyond us. Help us to experience the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, guide us in truth so that we can choose to trust you, choose to be brave and honest in our communication with you and our communication with others. We know this is a miracle we're asking for today, if we're honest. 
Oh God, You have been doing this miracle. You have done it in this room. We exist as a church, those who are traveling today and those that are here today, because we have already drawn strength in our relationships with each other and are experiencing the love of Jesus. So thank you, God, that you're already doing this miracle. In the name of Jesus, amen.